and welcome to this episode, uh, this week's episode of Comics Deserve Better. Um, with me, I've got my co-host, Brian. Hi, everyone. And Darcy. Hi. And tonight, we are going to be discussing our main course is going to be the Image Comics sci-fi um, series, Descender. We're going to cover about the first seven issues. It's a pretty long-running series, and it's by Jeff Lemire, Dustin Wynn and Steve Wands. And we're also gonna be covering some other, um, in our quick hits and looking forward, we're gonna be covering books from all kinds of publishers, including, you know, Image, but also some self-published books and books from uh, Boom and Iron Circus. So um, lots, of, lots of treats in store. But before we go into talk, discussing Descender and other books, um, Brian has some news for us. All right, uh, just two really quick hits uh, on the news. Uh, first thing, Random House uh, this uh, week has announced a new preteen graphic novel by Colleen Venable and Stephanie Yu. It's called um, Katie the Cat Sitter, which is definitely, I think, up all of our alleys here on this podcast. <laughs> and uh, essentially, it's about a, a middle grade girl who, uh, who, Cat sits 217 different cats that all have superpowers. And then she finds out or at least suspects that her neighbor might be a supervillain. So it's kind of a fun take on the whole superhero genre. Plus, it very it sounds like a very cute little story with cats. So I'm, I'm all in. And that comes out January 5th next year. I'm super excited. About it, I'm excited for anything involving cats, and will always be excited for anything involving cats because cats. Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm personally allergic to cats, but I think they're cute and awesome. And Marvel and DC, why aren't you doing stuff like this? This is such a good riff on the superhero genre. Yes. Well, they have had. I mean, they had not not to talk Marvel DC, but that uh, Captain Marvel uh, action kids comic was all about kind of goose or not goose chewy but chewy goose that was a really good thing and half the characters in marvel recently have gotten cats there's lots of new cats in marvel recently bucky's cat for one right bucky's cat gambit has three cats there have been lots of new cats rolling around dc i mean marvel i don't know about dc but lots of lots of new cats rolling around marvel not that we're supposed to talk about marvel but i do try to keep up with cats yes definitely they should change their name to meowville (laughs) a dumb joke i'm sorry i think i think i've seen that in a comic before i don't remember but i think i think (laughs) I think I've seen that, like maybe in like Spider Ham or something. I don't know. Um, That'd be awesome. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, that just seems like a really like easy sell for all ages. So I'm excited. Um, well, I'm gonna buy it. Kind of, kind of wish easy sell know, for me. Yeah, I kind of, kind of wish maybe you know dropped a few weeks Christmas, but yeah, it's all right. <laughs> good, good after Christmas money. You know, oh, for like, sure. Present. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Uh, um, and then, okay, well, moving on to the second piece. Uh, this is actually coming out starting next week, so a little bit earlier than than the other one. Okay, so Colin Bunn is actually doing a, a Patreon uh, where he's getting other artists to submit pages, one-page uh, stories or one-page ads, basically, based on the classic Dungeons & Dragons ads from 80s comics, and he's calling it uh, Deepest Catacombs. 
and um, it, the one-page installments will be available through Bun's Patreon, and uh, each page will feature art from a different creator. With um, they right now, they have uh, AC Zamudio and Nick Zamudio providing the first two pages. So that will be coming out online, and uh, then they're going to be sending out a web comic later. Uh, which will have behind-the-scenes material, such as as well as uh, supplements for the D and D Fifth Edition. Oh, that's so cool! Like, uh, yeah, that the, the whole role-playing supplement reminds you a lot of. So, Vault dropped a Vampire the Masquerade comic, and it was it was pretty good. And then, but then you can in the back it has all the information you need to incorporate the protagonist of the comic into your. I guess I've never played Vampire the Masquerade, but I, I guess into your campaign, which I'm like. I love it. Just that comic tabletop gaming synergy. It's so awesome. Yes. And those ads are great. Um, I mean, like, those are awesome. They it's like cl- classic art. Yeah. No, definitely. No, and um, speaking of, of comic books and role-playing games, I like how Die has also recently done that as well. They've actually, you can actually play now the game of Die where everyone ends in tears or dead at the end of every single campaign. I am going to confess that a lot of the time I have no idea what's going on in that comic. <laughs> That's standard. <laughs> I'm like, I need to play more Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know. Uh, all right. I don't want to. I don't want to. Sorry. It's okay. But yeah, no, that, that looks like an amazing idea. And I like the model that Bun's doing where you, if you're like a super fan, you can grab pay a little extra and get everything beforehand. And then if, if you know you're a little like less curious, you can get the web comics. It's a, it's a good model. Um, I think uh, some creators have started to do that and make a little money on the side and build a fan base. So, or if you have a, like a pre, like Bon already has a pre-made fan base. So that's cool. Yeah. Especially, yeah, I know in the pandemic and everyone's trying to find digital content and and support your artists as much as you can. All right, so we're moving on to our quick hit segment. Um, we're gonna lead off with Brian. What is your uh, quick hit this week? Well, um, both number one and number two came out uh, for uh, Firepower, which is uh, from Image slash uh, Skybound uh, by Robert Kirkman and Chris Samney is on the pencils. Now, uh, I guess we're doing, we might be doing a hot take on a writer every single episode now, and this is my turn. So not a huge Robert Kirkman fan. Like, I like some of his stuff, but I feel that he kind of drones on some, you know, and kind of get I kind of get bored of his stuff kind of quite fast. Uh, the exception is Invincible, which just kind of kept me the entire time. But um, other stuff has, has been, it's been hot and cold for me. Either I really love it or it's just not for me. So the first issue, I kind of went in thinking of Tepid Waters and, and I, it was okay. It was, it was good. It was a lot of dialogue and I tend to not be a huge fan of a number one issue because you have to set up the universe and it's a lot of exposition and it's just, you know, it's, it's not as fun as a comic book could be. <laughs> and, but number two comes around and Chris Samney basically takes the reins of the comic book series and he does what he does often in a lot of his books and he writes, 
he basically draws a almost completely silent issue uh, for the, at least the first like 15 pages. And it's just a fight scene between the main character of Firepower, which essentially is the, is the Iron Fist uh, type character where he goes to a monastery gets a kind of a superpower martial art power where he can shoot fire from his fists and hands but then he decides to walk away from everything and start a family and that's where this these stories begin is with him and his family so um ninjas attack and he basically uh fights off the ninjas without waking up his family around his family's beds and it's it's just like Christianity goodness it's it's so number one Maya not had me hooked but number two I'm definitely in for for the time being because Chris Samney got the carte blanche to do what he wants to do so <laughs> I like it that sounds good yeah. yeah I think yeah like I've I've kind of been hesitant to pull the trigger on this book I love Chris I'll read anything Chris Samney draws but just the premise seemed a little like Iron retreading the whole Iron Fist, like a white dude learns martial arts, and like I've seen that a lot in comics. And that I don't, was yeah, that was one of the questions I had. I didn't read I didn't read the trade paperback that came out before this, oh. so I, I kind of I kind of came in, you know, cold on on one and two. And sometimes the main character is drawn as if he's of East Asian descent. And sometimes he's not, and so I'm. And I know that his parents and where he got his last name from, he's adopted. So I'm wondering if, you know, even though he was, you know, born and raised in the United States, it's is it is he East Asian descent? Because it, um, that was my one, my one question about Sammy's art was that he kind of, it was it was not consistent when it came to that. They've kind of retconned it, or kind of decided to yeah. make it a little bit less weird <laughs> he he looked yeah he looked white in some of the panels and he looked he looked east asian and in, in some of the other panels and so the question that that was one of my my questions so and true it's yeah if we're gonna have an iron fist character nowadays then he should definitely be east asian not danny rand <laughs> yeah i don't i mean um I, I mean i'll like yeah say Somni doing fight scenes like I loved his his stuff on Black Widow that was like so cool just Mark Wade just chilling out and letting him yes. do amazing chases and fights and stuff like him and and then does Matthew Wilson do the colors I believe so yes okay yeah yeah Somni and Wilson are, are really good um they have good I guess chemistry I guess if you could say um so that's that's awesome that's that's a team I like follow for sure um yeah and I hope they, yeah. Oh, sorry. It, and and it, I hope they get to do more of that instead of like, because I feel like I think this is more of a Mark Miller problem. But you just get these really good artists, and they I feel like they get wasted on certain projects. But I'm glad he at least gets to cut loose for this issue. Yeah. And so definitely number two. Um, if you're gonna pick up only one of these two issues, I would definitely pick up number two over number one. <laughs> and <laughs> there's a there's a there's a little bit of a of blurb about what happened in the first issue so you know there's it should read pretty smoothly cool um darcy what was your uh, quick hit this week um i am going in for support of the post office <laughs> for 
understandable reasons. So I decided this week to pick Post by Molly Brooks. It is a self-published comic. It's available on Comixology. It's actually on sale right now. I don't really know why. Um, maybe Molly, I think all of Molly's stuff right now is on sale. It's on sale for 50 whole cents. Go and pick it up. And it's basically in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. They call it uh, the post-diz, the post-destruction. Um, there's this woman out in the middle of nowhere. She's a blacksmith, inventor character. And she was like making all sorts of, she's like reinventing the printing press. She's like, oh, I could probably figure out guns if I wanted to figure out guns. She's taking acid rain and making it into stuff. She's brilliant. She's great. And some guy somewhere far away has a crush on her. And his assistant is sending letters through this woman who's developed a postal system. And so the entirety, basically, of the story is this woman delivering letters for this person we don't see for most of the story to the blacksmith and over time this relationship sort of develops between our postal worker and our blacksmith but they never really say anything there's sort of this mutual pining that's unresolved for like a long time kind of a slow build in a very short comic but it's very sweet and shows the power of the postal system and right now we need something to show the power of the postal system so much support again on sale for 50 cents go pick it up it's less than a postage stamp to buy right now it's less than a postage stamp so that's awesome. good advertisement for it <laughs> so no that sounds amazing that sounds like something i i need to pick up right after we stop recording now so. The art's really cute. You know, you want an adorable little kind of sweet lesbian love story. There you go. Get to it. I think I'm buying it right now on my tablet. <laughs> go for nice. it. Hit that, uh, what is it, the one one click buy? Yeah, no, it's awesome. And yay, yay romance comics um, for sure. I'm very much so. I love a romance comic. Go get your romance comic. Yeah, it's we, some, there's a little bit of action in it. You know, it's a post-apocalypse. Action happens, mm -hmm. but mainly it's about you know mutual pining, which I'm all for. I like that. I like I like stories where they're in like a genre setting, like sci-fi, superhero, uh, crime, and but it's like a romance. Tom yes. King's wish. Tom King's thinks he's doing that on Batman, but he's not. He but, is absolutely uh, not. No. But um, <laughs> but yeah, but like the post, like I like it. I like you have the you know the post-apocalyptic set dressing I, I haven't read the comic i assume and then you have the cute love story that's just a good good one-two punch so and cute i think love story. you get like you know several audiences going in there too mm -hmm. um, yeah oh and speaking of romance and self-published comics my actually um it's not so much of a romance comic as like an anti-romance comic but um my uh, my quick hit is it's called stella versus the tinderbox number one by kimmy pagnotta and sam watson and it's also a comicsology self-published book. And basically it's about this um, girl named Stella and her, and it's just like, it's a very slice of life. Her name's Stella and 
she like it's kind of bookended by like shitty talking to shitty dudes on online dating apps and then the main plot of the story is she's at her favorite mexican place and this old guy hits on her and it's really like <laughs> i don't know it's like really just surreal like watson's art style uh because i mean like the plot description kind of seems maybe a little basic but watson's art just gives it this surreal quality like she's thinking about this cute guy and like the, she frame it's framed in like a margarita so you can kind of like see like oh you're kind of getting a little tipsy and then cute guy like just a lot of the ways it's framed and just honestly just the frankness of agnana's writing just it's like unfiltered um she she doesn't really she's isn't going for you know uh, a prince charming situation a happy ending she's just showing just like the brutal reality of like dating in 2020 and <laughs> um even pre-pandemic and just i don't know and just like that you can get people like people can show up at like at a swipe but then they might not be who they say they are or they might be garbage or they might be kind of cool they might have a tiger it's that's a plot point later <laughs> but yeah no it's a cool like i'm like it it reminds me a lot of like i don't know like a kind of a modern version of like those short romance stories in like 50s romance comics um young romance and true romance and yeah exactly yes. like those kind of like vignettes but just updated um for 2020 and I'm, i really like it and i honestly wish that um i don't know some bigger publishers would think about that but guess not oh god which, i wish they'd get back on is, it so bad which is ridiculous because like, the prose romance market is crazy like and it's what keeps the publishing company in business for sure and it's all and the thing is like they're also it's also like i feel like there's less of a stig like back i remember even like 10 years ago or whatever like there was still a stigma against romance books but now in like 2020 i feel like like there's less of a stigma and with the way they're marketed and there's a lot more inclusivity like lgbt more lgbt romances mm -hmm. and i'm like come on comics let's jump on this and like and comics like i mean what like as, as Darcy mentioned earlier has this like 70 80 year of history of romance comics and I'm just like bring them back and people make money doing amateur romance comics people make money doing amateur romance fan comics I mean I might be the only one but I've paid money for amateur romance like Batman Superman comics happily and will probably do so again in the future. Like there's a definite market out there for big publishing companies to do this if they would do it, but they're a bunch of cowards and refuse because they're stupid and don't run their companies properly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a few stuff that kind of, kind of sticks out to me. Like I think Cena Grace has a book like kind of romance-ish slice of life looking coming out from image yes and um but yeah like but when the big the big companies try it it's always something like i think i remember marvel did something called like models inc or something with where they got they got they got tim gunn to be in an iron man costume and like a backup story and they tried to bring back like hetty and all those characters like but it just they did a couple of years ago more than a couple of years ago they did that young romance redo redux yeah. yeah and so they took those old the classic and then just made it into a comedy that was really good that was clever that was funny but they need to do new ones yeah or i mean but i think honestly i think i think 
like this bot. I think at the Indies is where it's going to get done because I know um, Oni Probably, has yeah. a Oni has a uh, like an erotic imprint called uh, Limerence. Mm. That, mm. Uh, that's yeah. So I didn't know that. They'll get, they'll get it. They'll get it done um, for sure. And well, there's quite a few on Graphite. Nice. And you know the webtoons. Yeah. Excellent. They're all over webtoons. Well, and then like in Japan, there's the whole doujinshi thing. Like doujinshi, <laughs> like, manga like, has no problems doing romance comics. Exactly. Making yeah. tons of money over it. There's there's been a few good American or Western um, sports uh, romances lately too, which like like Fence and like Fence, yeah. You know, so I mean. That I'm glad that's kind of coming over too. It's kind of funny because it it was a it was originally you know, a Western thing, and then it, it went over to to Japan, hmm. and now the the Western inf, the influence that the Western artists and writers are are getting is from the Japanese romance. So it's kind of funny how that recycled over back over here. And a lot of it is queer romances. Yes. It's Definitely. like, that's how we're going to do it. So we're going to tackle queer runs, which I'm perfectly happy with. Let's go. Let's do it. I think we'll be talking about fence and probably av- maybe avant-garde as well. Ooh, definitely avant-garde. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Yeah. But uh, just going back to one last thought about Stella versus Tinderbox. Like, cool. I, I like it because it's, it's, I mean, those books are great, but this is just like pure slice of life with surreal, with surreal art. Um, to keep things interesting so it's it's not like in in like these tropes and these like will they won't they uh, pining which this is great stuff but sometimes you just need like reality to slap you in the face but and then the thing is like at first I thought this is going to be like when I first got this book I thought it was going to be some like like Disney princess shit because like the cover looks like um, Elsa from Frozen but it's just it's metaphorical so I know. I'm like, is this going to be a princess thing? But it's not. So great, good, uh, good, uh, good marketing. Because <laughs> I'm like, is this going to be some kind of bootleg, stout, like Frozen thing? But nope. Okay. Uh, not one bit. The only I thing that was frozen in this comic were the margarita and pina colada at the Mexican place. And the and the hearts of uh, of his of her, of her suitors. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Some I know like the old guy, but like that's but that's how not like, as funny as the cat joke. Sorry, yeah, sorry, I can't <laughs> hit them all the time. <laughs> but that's how those old guys are like at those bars, though. Like it's so true. It's just that's how yeah. Unfortunately, but cool. One comic oh, that is oh. so our thankfully our main course does not have involve any um, old well and might have some old creepy guys, but not as much. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Quan's an old creepy guy. Yeah, no, yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking of. I'm like, oh yeah, there's a robot IP theft guy. But so so IP we did this week for our main course. Darcy and Brian especially are very hyped about this. Been talking about it in the chat for weeks. <laughs> yes. I, no, I'm 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 exaggerating a little bit. Um, so we're gonna cover um, Descender. It's published by Image Comics, as I mentioned earlier, written by Jeff Lemire, who's done tons of awesome comics art by dustin Nguyen, who you might know from little gotham and other amazing things oh he did draw batgirl he drew a good part of uh stephanie brown's batgirl Ooh, yes. interesting. and I, did I have... the covers for the second half of it cool mm-hmm. cool i have not read those i guess i will now 
Um, good, good series. Awesome. Yeah. But now he is doing drawing his sci-fi thing. Um, so basically, the basic premise of Descender is it's set in a world. Um, it's a world that started out kind of as utopian, um, United Galactic Council, so very kind of Star Trek-y vibes at the beginning. But then these giant robots called Harvesters attack the UGC and kind of turns it, their utopia into a dystopia. And there's this kind of underlying conflict between humans and artificial intelligence and robots. And basically this book doesn't, it follows lots of different perspectives, but as far as I would say, this might change and you guys can definitely remark on this later because um, you actually read the whole series. Um, the, the protagonist for now is this little rob, uh, companion robot named Tim21 who, and his dog Bandit, who basically he wants to get back to his brother, Andy. But there's lots of other stuff going on because the big thing is he's connected to the harvester. They had to share a DNA. So he's also like this kind of very um, lucrative thing that different factions are searching for. So yeah, it's very, it's kind of, it's very space opera, but also very, I don't know, like got some Asimov vibes. Um, but yeah, so let's, uh, um, Darcy, what do you, what do you think about Descender, the first seven issues? Yeah, uh, I would say yes, the first seven issues are primarily Tim 21's point of view, so you get kind of at the very beginning, it's other people, because pre-Tim, all kinds of other stuff. Later on, as kind of the characters branch out and take different sections, especially like the first half of right after that, you get Andy's point of view. But that first part is most definitely just Tim, mostly. And then Tim be is really the main source of information throughout the story. He's definitely kind of your main character. He's the main one anybody really cares about because he's adorable. <laughs> but um, do you want to say something, Brian? <laughs> oh, no, I was laughing at what you said. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> thought you were going to cut in and disagree with me because no, no. I would have to get in a fight with you because he's definitely him. adorable. <laughs> no, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. That's like because I read this series. I think I read a first. I think I read about the first eight or nine issues of it, and I'm like, I do remember there being a kid robot that kind of looked like Astro Boy. And Astro Boy and his uh, Dustin Wynn's version of Damian Wayne, like pretty much spot on. Oh, that's that's a great observation. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. And they okay. have a lot in common, his little Gotham, Damian Wayne, and Tim 21. They're very much similar characters. Tim's much more cuddly, which I appreciate. I'm cool with that. He's a very, his empathy setting is much higher. Uh, but Descender is a comic I adore. I'm very fond of Dustin. I love his art. So I'm kind of inclined, whoever's writing, I'm kind of inclined just to jump in whatever he's drawing. So just, you know, the beautiful full page spreads. I'm on board. I love it. The characters are all really, really great. You kind of feel for all of them, even when they're awful. You feel a little less for them when they're awful. <laughs> uh, Dr. Kwan is a terrible person even from the beginning when you don't know all the terrible things he's done when you don't know that he's kind of responsible for everything that's happened you still kind of hate him because he's a whiny jackass he and the art the way he's drawn he's kind of drawn very weaselly so you kind of don't 
respect him even from the beginning but all of the characters have this great expressionism to them except for i guess telsa whose character is very stoic but she's gorgeous the art in her is gorgeous her colors are gorgeous so she's still a very captivating character so that sort of thing is really great and even the characters that have absolutely no kind of expressionism to them like driller that you have to give to the writing which brian you haven't logan read the rest of it but brian and i have read the rest of it (laughs) and driller is so fantastic you like him straight from the beginning i think there's nothing not to like about driller but if you've read the rest of the comic driller is a standout he's my favorite character in the entire series same Yeah. yeah I think he's a lot of people's favorite character. He gets, I mean, he gets all the best lines, like for sure. Yeah, and and he's a visually appealing character. The coloring on him is fantastic, but the emotion that comes out of him is definitely Lemire. Yeah, I get a lot of a, this kind of reminds me of Steve Scrochi's um, designs for the the Sentinels and the the different various robots in the Matrix films, but with a little bit of that kind of iron giant humanity so yeah this is got a lot of iron giant but like an angry iron giant the whole yeah, way not angry mis- misanthropic he's just until like, the end okay yeah yeah <laughs> so this was actually brian's like pick so oh just kidding oh. it was kind of both of our pick it was my turn so it was yeah. brian was like maybe and i was like i'll definitely take it <laughs> It was a shared pick. Yeah. So, so Brian, what are your kind of your general thoughts on uh, Descender, the first seven issues? Uh, I, it's definitely, I, I absolutely agree with everything Darcy has just said and just the character design, both in the art and in the words that they speak and the emotions that they portray are, it's just, you know, absolutely fantastic. This is, a it's a science fiction space opera but it's so you know which is you know broad and but it's all about the internal workings of these characters essentially and it's all about how they function who they are what their backstories are and even you know the most stoic characters like like telsa for for one you know you find out why she's so stoic and it makes absolute sense it's because her dad is the leader of the of the government you know that's that's falling apart and so you know it's it's just you know it's it's everybody has a reason to be who they are and if you don't find out why right away it's you find out definitely later and even the most two-dimensional characters like um you don't really get into the i believe i pronounced this maybe the g is silent um but you don't really get into their them in the first seven issues but you find out later that even their absolute hatred of robots is is semi-justified you know like to them it's justified and you know and like these characters that are just you know even characters that you are set up to hate you you end up being somewhat empathetic to and, and vice versa characters that you're set to love you're like 
mm, why do I love this character? <laughs> and so, and I think that also kind of the reason for that is one of the underlying themes of this entire series is racism. It it really is. It's and and that's because the when the harvesters attack, um, when the the retaliation that the humans have instead of like trying to figure out, you know, how to protect themselves and everyone is to blame somebody and they blame other robots and they blame even the peaceful robots that don't do anything but help them every day. And, and so take it so far. And so essentially a genocide occurs. Very much. Yeah. And, and so that's a, a very big underlying theme in this book. And so you can kind, you know, like, it's you don't empathize too much with the, the 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 most racist of the of the villains. However, you do understand how they got there, which is which is pretty amazing. Yeah, I liked um, Seven gets us past finding or rediscovering Andy, and so I really like that because we get to see, you know, Andy as a child with Tim. This kind of sweet precocious happy intelligent little boy and then you get to see andy as an adult and he's one of the people committing genocide on robots who had a robot as a brother and just like not gleefully but definitely not drawing a line between a robot who had something to do with or anything at all, even closely connected to the harvesters or danger to humankind, because the first thing we see him do is kill, what was it, seven farming AI robots? Yes. Take their heads, carry them back to his ship. Not a care, even knowing that by killing these robots, other humans are going to die because he wants the money. Like, that's just what he does. That's his work. That's his job. And he's just like this perfect example of like the Byronic hero of like, I'm torn, I'm tortured, I'm the bad guy, I'm whatever, you know, I've had this horrible wrong done to me, but he's Andy, so we know he's going to get better. We know he's not a bad guy at heart because he had this childhood and he had this trauma, but he's not a good person because he's part of this group of people who are committing genocide so I, I think he's interesting I, I think that the complexity that's set up just in that one character I thought was really well done no definitely I think he's the uh, more complex Han Solo almost very much the more complex Han Solo yeah yeah and then and speaking about Andy I like I really how like how this book explores the nature of evil and what it means to be human especially like it just, it, it lingers on, you know, shots of like, it's like that scene where Quan is getting tortured is, it, it mm. just like messes your, cause like, like you find out Quan is a super messed up dude. Who's like, complete, like who r ripped off someone else's research. And he also kind of engineered the destruction of like what, as far as I know, it was some kind of utopia. I bet there's, there's, there's some kind of issues with the UGC. I don't know. Oh, definitely. I've, yeah, yeah, I've read enough sci-fi. Like, come on. Yeah. Um, but they're not great. But, but it's just a peaceful place, you know. So. But it's it's just like you're in that in that moment. You're just like, whoa! Everyone is 
everyone is just stained by by this just pervasive evil of genocide and like no one except for good old tim timmy good old tim and um is just complicit and and then just like yeah and even like the more cool characters like captain telsa who could like that's another character i remembered just because of that iconic red that when uses in his palette like i just i had that sense memory from 2015 of like <laughs> it's it's wild. Yeah, that, that good red and blue contrast. Yes. And that, those eyes, you can't really forget what she looks like. Oh yeah, yeah. It's wild. Like I didn't. Rem I mean, I didn't remember the plot of his comic at all. But I'm like, oh yeah, there was that cool redheaded character who was very basically, you know, lawful evil, but was cool. And yeah, and it's just and it's just interesting and, and like, oh, it's poor. like Tim is just utterly so utterly naive. And she like, feels so bad for him. And, and everyone gets so annoyed with him because of his empathy levels. Which is like such, such a sad thing to be angry at, but it just shows how, how much of a shithole um, the world and is. It's, and it's such an interesting thing, his empathy levels. Like, it's not that he's stupid, but it's like he's got this learned empathy that he's got all this logic, but he has to connect it to this thing that he's learned. Because he wasn't initially that empathetic. He grows more empathetic the more people he's around. Mm -hmm. And that's fascinating. It's like the opposite of people. Yeah. And, and even like he's, the humans. He's a better person. <laughs> exactly. And, and the, so the humans basically made him the way he is. By, and then now they're annoyed with him because of how he is. Which is yeah, he, he Yeah, he did a better job of, I mean... You, you, you think, you know, when you hear more human than human, you think, you know, Terrell Corporation, Blade Runner, creepy shit. Mm -hmm. But then, like, yeah. wow, he's, like, a better human than us. And it's, like, I don't know. It's 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 interesting. And the thing is, like, yeah, in some contexts, it'll be creepy, especially his design. Like, his design, like, the innate creepiness of his design works really well for his little homie, Tim22. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, that's excellent that he has an evil doppelganger. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, of course, he, he needs one. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Who gets it, red hair? It just yes, it works. And but which he is, just has them. Yeah. Which is the whole evil ginger thing. Oh god. Yeah, but he has like just the perfect. It's just this world is so depressing and so bleak. Like you need a cutie to follow without to just be just bowled over. And it's interesting, like. Like this came out in 2015 when, I don't know, maybe the world was, I mean, the world still wasn't great, but maybe on, on the surface, the world seemed a little brighter. But reading it now, I'm just like, yeah, this is pretty much what's going on right now, but with more robots, I'm just gonna say. Cooler character designs. Yeah, cool, like, yeah. Cause when just like, oh man, he goes all out. Like, ooh, just, does. just like, and the thing is like he, I like Lemire. Lemire doesn't overwhelm you with exposition world building. He, mm -mm. he, he leans on the visuals and he it leads on wins visuals and just kind of introducing it through character interactions. And um, he just, yeah, he doesn't like, he, there's like no exposition dumps in it. He yeah, now anyone, oh, sorry, Brian. Oh, I was just gonna say, he lets the story tell the story. That's all I was gonna yeah. say. Yeah, anyone who works with Dustin and it, like came in and wanted to try to describe what Dustin is drawing is wasting him. 
and I, and I think Lemire gets that because Lemire is an artist himself. And I think right. it shows in a lot of his work. Like I've been kind of trying to catch up on the Black Hammer books and he's just, he's really good at like, he knows, he knows these genre touchstones that people are familiar with. And he lets his artists, you know, his artists and our knowledge of, of genre kind of inform his story. And then he just crafts great characters. And he did that in Plutona, Black Hammer. Um, I mean, obviously his older stuff like Essex County. Um, and yeah, he's, he's just good. He's just good. He's really good at just stepping. And I think this is because he is a cartoonist himself. He's really good at just stepping away. Oh, his Green Arrow run or anything he does with Andrea Sorrentino. Stepping yes. back and just letting his artists, for, for want of a better word, do their thing. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll be covering a lot of uh, Lemire on this, on, this, uh, on this podcast. Does he I, ever sleep? That's what I should have asked yeah. him at um, the con I went to in Louisville. Like, should I ask him, like, man, like, do you sleep ever? <laughs> like, because... <laughs> You know, you kind of mentioned Gideon Falls, and and then also my, one of my personal favorites is Royal City. And you know, if you just look at if you look at the genres of all those books that we just mentioned, they're absolutely all over the spectrum, and they're just all over. They're just all different, but yet they're all good. And make sure you have a box of Kleenex when you read Lemire, though, because he's yes. he's very he can hit those heartstrings really hard, and just that's a little what bit, yeah. makes it even better. So, oh yeah, I was I was utterly obliterated. Like the fl- the flashback, I think it's an issue. Yeah, issue two, where the the kind of you get Tim's backstory with those honeycomb like loading screens. Yes, and just, and just when Doctor Kwan is just like, yeah, you're not human. It just like obliterates you. It's just like, like as as a kid, you know, as someone who grew up on you know Iron Giant, Brave Little Toaster, like I Brave don't know, Little Toaster. Oh my yeah. god. Like, I mean. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. I'm just hey, '90s kids. I'm making you cry right now. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you find out why Tim was sleeping when everyone died. Yeah, and and that's just heartbreaking too. And then later in in the series, you find out what exactly happened and why. while he was sleeping. Yeah, and that's even more heartbreaking. Just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. 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 The the that whole when he was backing up his memory and you get the flashbacks of how he went from where he was when he was built to calling mom, mommy and Andy, his brother, that was a really powerful issue, a really powerful moment in the story. I think that was, and the fact that he almost lost it, that was really sad. The just, as someone who has memory problems like I do, losing memories is hard. Mm-hmm. Losing time is very difficult and very sad. So when you're backing if you have the ability to back up memory and lose it, that's awful, especially when they are as important as what he was backing up. So that always really hits me very hard. The The contrast as well of of all these heartfelt memories happening. Meanwhile, while he's being chased through a, a an abandoned mining colony mm. by, by bounty hunters is pretty amazing as well. Yeah. And when yeah. he breaks out and kills that one dude, mm-hmm. that was pretty intense. I didn't and, expect that. 
I thought was really cool about that is that you can, and this is this is a testament to both Lemire and Nguyen, with how they how how expressive they make their characters. That when Tim Twenty One does that, you can tell it hurts him to do it, right. and he's only doing it because it's the last resort. Then later in issue, I think issue six, when Tim Twenty Two, who looks exactly like Tim Twenty One, does the same thing and kills somebody using the same weapon that Tim Twenty One kills someone, there's absolute no remorse. There's dead behind the eyes. You're like, oh, okay, we know who the evil twin is now. Because <laughs> yeah. his family are robots without empathy chips. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it, for sure. Yeah, that, that's a good, really good parallel. Yeah, because like when you when, when he does it, you feel like, I mean, you're you're getting into like you're getting. I mean, you're almost at the at the cliff. It, I mean, it's in the middle of the issue, but you're almost at like, like oh god, or like are we, like how are they gonna get out of this one? And then oh, we have this last resort protection thing <laughs> that you can rarely use. It's like a last resort kind of thing, which is honestly like smart writing because like. I mean, in this kind of crazy universe, like, of course you're gonna give robots like some means of self-defense. Like, I never understood in Star Wars, like, like why like C-3PO didn't have a taser or something. Like, I just, I don't know. <laughs> he was supposed to talk his way out of things. Yes. Yeah, I don't. Or talk his way into more trouble because he was really annoying. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why like R2D2 lo- had that zapper. Yeah, I know. Like, why didn't he? Yeah, why didn't he have a taser? Like, I don't know. But yeah, that was that was really cool. And just like yeah, the the juxtaposition of the chase scene and character backstory, instead of like like kind of moving the plot forward and also adding depth to the protagonist. Like this this series, like I've only read like the first seven issues of the series, but I'm like, damn, this is really way well laid out. And I'm like, no wonder like it got picked up last month by NBC Universal for a a sci-fi show because I mean this is definitely something you could I mean you could definitely appeal, like a lot of appeal to fans of like Asimov stuff Blade Runner um I don't know Star any, Wars, any, yeah, Star Wars. any kind of any kind of long form space opera you know get some of those old Babylon 5 fans in mm-hmm. uh, but yeah and, and it's and it's cool and it's also it's just like it's honestly like really like really easy to follow too um like you don't ever feel like you're like I didn't I mean a lot of it goes comes down to wins wins art and then like Juan's lettering. Like you never feel like you're lost in the the polit- like like Lemire like parcels out just the amount of information you need to understand what's going on. Um and then keeps a few goodies behind the scenes. Um instead of like some writers, let's throw all the reveals in the first issue, cough, <laughs> Jeff Loeb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like like, dude, like, it's a serial medium. You need to build up to your reveals. Like, use the genre of comic books, <laughs> you know, please. Like, they're, you know, it's, especially if you're writing a serial that comes out monthly, you need to know how many issues you're writing and, or how many issues are in an arc and, and basically just reveal what you want to in that arc, you know, per issue, an increment, you know, just Give make them keep going back. people a reason to buy things. Exactly. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Or at least keep on reading. Uh, we haven't mentioned yet, and, and this is really, I mean, the whole robot combat, arena combat is like used a lot in sci-fi, but I, I had a lot of fun with um, this one, especially like, have we even talked about Tullus yet? I mean, he is very, very tertiary character so far, but I just- Not I just, on niche. <laughs> yeah, but I just yeah. love when he like, 
just he's in the he's just you know human in arena with like i don't know just i love that line where they're like oh well he's just like we're just gonna say he's an ai or whatever he's like like by centennial man or something i don't know but then he like he comes in and he's just so awesome he just like goes in and just like grabs the gun off the giant like mech just i'm like starts firing away and i'm like he and driller have a really great chemistry despite him not liking robots and driller not liking humans or you know bipeds or whatever fleshy people (laughs) they have really great when they're on niche and in that arena or whatever they have really great chemistry that is a great uh issue or series of issues because they come back to them yeah no 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 it was a, it was a great i know i know like they get left on the planet but i'm just like i was kind of happy they get left on the planet because i'm just like i just want to see these like these couple of tough guys just deal in this dystopian landscape and i'm just like and i want to learn more about the guy who again rips a gun off a of mecca like that is so cool that is amazing <laughs> and yeah and then when just like does a double page spreads lets it breathe like you can definitely see the size and the scale of the robots like if this was a movie, it would cost so much money. But with comics, unlimited budget, it's just down to your artist skill. So I'm just like, Do anything. this is awesome. Like this is so cool. Um, even it's like it's they, just, they were never out of their element. It's they're just okay. We're here now. Let's do what we need to do. Yeah, it's like they they like with all the science and politics and you know are robots human? Blah, like that. They don't like that shit. They like the the grab guns off mechas and punch things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, but it's, but it's good. Like you have this good blend of like political intrigue, intrigue and a little bit of philosophy, not, not too much. Um, this isn't, this isn't a Hickman book. There's um, a lot more philosophy as it goes on. Oh, that may, well, that makes sense. A lot of like, yeah. I mean, a, a lot of sci-fi does that like fucking Battlestar Galactica turned into some giant metaphor for like, some people say like the Mormon church or something. Scientology. I don't know. Oh, okay. Really? Battlestar okay. Galactica? No. What am I thinking of? No. That's uh, Battlefield Earth. Battlefield Earth. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think, I think Battlestar Galactica <laughs> might be more than this. Maybe. I'm just, I'm not going to say, like, I don't know, but maybe. Yeah, I got those confused. <laughs> no, it's. Uh, I must watched it last night. That's why I. Close was, names. I don't know. It just gets, yeah. Close I just, words. Let's start with B's. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 Battle. right. Um, yeah but uh yeah so like I, I could definitely yeah there's like definitely room for more metaphysical exploration down the road um but like i like all the scenes of the arche like the arc like the interactions between like i like kind of geeked out a little bit with like in the flashbacks like the archaeologists mm-hmm. interacting with the robotics guy it's like mm-hmm. interdisciplinary research is fun like people just saying hey you're an expert at that instead of like in some things they would just like in some like pul- more pulpy stuff, it would just make one guy know everything. And uh, did you guys get Fifth Element vibes from that part in the archaeology scene? Yeah, like kind of the yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, and like the thing, the the thing they found was so cool. Like, mm-hmm. sorry, Prometheus. Like that is how you design an OG android. Like, and the coloring where as it was coming, you got that little bit of pink under, so you got the real good feeling of transparency. So you had that little bit of pink coming under the skin of it. The art there was really good. Yeah, it looked very, very like inhuman, but also very human, mm. which is I think definitely what they're going for. 
because it's like this is like the source of and then and yeah and then it's like whoa there's people before us kind of deal mm. yeah no shit there is and they like, knew more than than you guys know yeah yeah a lot like i don't know like it's it's and cool like the like roman I, concrete or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. well it's a That's lot that. like um yeah like this we mentioned a lot of like sci-fi franchises in descender and 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 that's not to say like this descender is like derivative i think it just does a good job like it knows its influences mm. and it does a good job of like maybe you know i think i mentioned earlier like playing on our knowledge of that and then kind of like messing with that a little bit more or using that to um not like to handhold us like hey you know like you know what's coming here and to kind of add more insight into the characters like the relationship yeah, no, it just it just knows its genre and use it to its best work like like here's an archaeology and then we're just going to show this is going to show you how juan is totally garbage and um totally inept and like not the father of robotics he's like one of the he's he's a he's an edison he, you know, he's an edison he's Edison, He's, which is funny because he keeps calling Telsa Tesla. Oh yeah, my god, yeah. that is such a good joke in retrospect. It's absolutely. I was yeah, that's amazing. That is ooh, that is a good. Oh, that is that's a that's a brick joke. That's so good. Um, yeah, because I'm like, why are they like, what's the, why is everyone misspelling her name and like what's going on here? And I'm like, now like when you explain it, I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. Now. No, definitely, and also everyone's failure during that archaeology scene to think about wait we had a culture that was more advanced than us what did they do to disappear off the face of the earth you know to have like you know basically the the wherewithal of like maybe we shouldn't dive into this because it obviously destroyed something somewhat well, but that's very you know that's very human we always do that yeah don't, don't think about the negatives just no, no one ever forward. thinks about the negatives yeah yeah, I can I can definitely um I can definitely predict like I can maybe confidently predict like that that just that scene opens up the world in future storytelling possibilities so much. So, mm. Yeah, adds a little more kind of transcendent level. The, the fact that Quan also can never admit that he is wrong. Mm. <laughs> he's, he's such an asshole. He's just the he's, he's the worst character. Oh god. Mm. Yes, no, no, definitely. I think it's 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 really interesting. Like, if like Lemire had dropped that, if like they had kind of maybe shuffled that flashback before the torture scene, people would that would just like fuck with people so much because they would like want him to like just get tortured maybe a little bit more. It's it's even worse. Like as you go past issue seven, like he just complains so much, and yes, he gets his arm cut off. Like that's terrible. That's awful. Torture is terrible. But he's like, oh, if you're going through what I'm going through, how I'd like to see you deal with this. Blah blah blah. And like everybody in the series has suffered awful, awful things. Nobody in the series has had a good life. And he mm -hmm. lost. I mean, like money. He was rich before. Mm -hmm. But you know, Telsa lost her mom. Like she yeah. suffered a lot. Everybody yeah. suffered. Tim lost his mom. Had to see her skeleton. That was pretty oh, that awful. Oh yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that was harsh. That was terrible. <laughs> that was skills. like that was rough. I'm like, oh my, like, like he's just wandering around and like you've seen the flashback in the first issue and I'm like, oh shit, they're gonna like show. I'm like, man, they're gonna they're gonna show the corpses of his family. And I'm mm -hmm. like, 
Yep. And then and you and then, and it just his emotions are so strong and it just breaks. Mm-hmm. And you see the little little Astro Boy knockoff oh. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was great in issue seven that when they introduce Andy, like even before you know it's Andy, that's the first thing he sees is an old copy of that Astro Boy comic. Mm. Which I thought was a pretty good copyright back. copyright friendly Astro Boy. Yes. It's it's fucking Astro Boy. Astro Boy. Yeah. Knock off knock off Astro Boy. Yeah, but it's it's cool. I mean it's 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 obviously an influence on this series. Mm. Cool. Watch that. I'll I'll cut that out okay. of editing. Okay. okay. So did you guys have any final thoughts on Descender? Brian? Uh watercolors. <laughs> mm. I um I know we've talked about Nguyen's art and I just it's I mean what he can do with a brush is just absolutely fantastic and amazing. It's just I can't believe how much expression he's getting out of these characters and the and the moods and the just the color choices and it's right there and it's I I love I'm a, I'm a Lemire fanboy and when I can like basically say that Lemire is is the second best part of a book is it's kind of saying a lot about the about the artist you know in this situation so I definitely um, I, I I've always liked him I always liked Nguyen's work it's just this is another level like we said before for sure yeah he finds it he finds this like I mean I was like he finds this kind of medium between, you know, the great matte paintings in like classic sci-fi films and good, like the cartooning he does in the, like the little Gotham books. He kind of hits that medium between it, which really works. It's also really tricky because if you had just gone straight up painting, it would, it would look pretty, but it would just be static and not have a lot of movement, but he just, he hits that really good sweet spot. So yeah, for sure. Um, Darcy, do you have any final thoughts? Um, basically kind of what Brian was said, like I, Shing and Core, I am a fan of because I was a fan of Dustin Wynn first. Um, the watercolors, the painting, that overlay, the creature design is very similar, not in looks, but in feel and in creativity of what Shing and Core does of uh, their creature design. So like... Dustin Wynn's very formative to me and I've been reading him for so long and I'm such a loyal reader I guess <laughs> because of that kind of there's not many people first of all that I even remember by name I apologize it's a problem I have with my memory there's not many people I even remember by name and Dustin is one of those people there's not many people I'll pick up just when I see their name uh, Dustin is definitely one of those people but on top of that, uh, this book is really important for me. I like sci-fi. I love sci-fi. I read a lot of sci-fi. But this isn't something you read for the sci-fi. This is something you read for the emotions. And this has real good emotions in it. And I appreciate that. Yeah, basically, emotions and cool robots is a four-second, four-word summary of these first seven issues. Definitely. Because yeah, I, I love the robot designs are just and it's awesome and it's so cool to see him draw from different um, 
different kind of franchises like um, Drillers, more like I mentioned, this Croce. We never mentioned Bandit. Oh shoot, yes. we're not. Bandit is the best. And I love the fact. <laughs> speaking about design, he's like he's a toy. He's like a nineteen nineties like e toy that someone can get. You know, like a Tamagotchi almost. Oh, good, great, yeah, yeah. Astro Boy and Tamagotchi. That's just like perfect. <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool just seeing him draw on all these different influences and mixing them together nicely. Um, yeah, I mean, on the like without really drawing attention to this fact, Descender is a great like sci-fi pastiche for sure. But it doesn't like the way it's written. It's very just human and lots like very good like forward momentum plot that it doesn't ever like get cute. I mean, it's occasionally you get like the Tesla joke, but it never draws attention to the fact that it's synthesizing all these um, different like sci-fi properties and um, tropes and stuff, but subgenres. But it, it does, and it's like, well, this is so cool. So there's like a lot to dig into and. Yeah, I mean, we may, uh, this might be one we have to, we might talk about down the road or Ascender or whatever. So for sure. So if you're a fan of this um, comic, like, yeah, we might be talking about it more later. So get hyped. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that is, concludes the main course. So we're going to wrap, uh, wrap things up with our looking forward segment. So Brian, what comic are you looking forward to in this upcoming week? Uh, I, Besides being a, a Jeff Lemire fanboy, I'm also a Tom Taylor fanboy. <laughs> and oh, don't tell a, Twitter that. <laughs> just, just no, he, has a, he has a new book um, coming out from Boom Studios, which I absolutely love. And uh, it's called Seven Secrets. And um, it says, it mentions in the, in the previews little blurb that, you know, for fans of Once in Future and Undiscovered Country, which I'm a fan of one of those, so, um, but it's Tom Taylor. And, and uh, art and cover art is done by Danielle Di Nicolo, who's done a lot of boom work, uh, especially the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers uh, stuff that uh, is actually pretty popular and pretty good. And it's basically the story. Um, I'll just read what it says here for previews. This is a quick blurb. It just says, For centuries, the Order has trusted in keepers and holders to guard the secrets in seven briefcases against all, all harm. But when their stronghold is attacked and the secrets are put in per peril, the entire Order must face their greatest fear an enemy who knows too much and is willing to kill what he wants, what, to get what he wants. So it's, it sounds, that sounds pretty like plain and normal, but I have faith in Taylor that he's going to make it something interesting. So. Yeah. 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 He really, I mean, he really tends to do that. Like he, like video game tie-ins, Marvel zombies, but in the DC universe, evil Iron Man, like he makes, he makes stuff that like you would just like, if you read a preview of and people like you're just like uh, this isn't gonna be good and it ends up being really good and emotionally compelling so plus there's a variant um not a huge variant comic fan but a cover fan but when there's good ones there's definitely they're definitely worth talking about and there's one um one of the variants that's coming out is by justine franny and it's a total akira uh pastiche like it's somebody walking to a uh, red motorcycle on a white background so that oh. right there has me <laughs> sold you know, bro, like, you, oh. bro you should have should have let off with that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's awesome yeah i'm definitely gonna check it out this week 
Um, Darcy, what is your, what are you looking forward to this upcoming week? Um, I'm kind of this week, not so much looking forward, but uh, I'm going to talk about The Cabinet uh, by Christian Sanger and Kelly Williams. It's actually from 2016, Source Point Press, but it released this week on Graphite. So it's new to me and new to anyone reading on graphite, which is basically <laughs> the same thing, I think. Uh, it is a horror comic. Uh, they're uploading a lot of horror comics on graphite at the moment, so if you're into that, jump on it. It's kind of fun. It is a full graphic novel, I should say. It's like a hundred and some odd pages long, so it is a read. It's a horror history graphic novel. It's based on the idea of uh, kind of Franklin's lost expedition to the Northwest Passage, where all these people, British people, went to the Northwest Passage and tried to cross it and died horribly. <laughs> and there were like, the, you know, frostbite and cold and hypothermia, which is cold. I don't know why I said it twice. <laughs> and potential cannibalism and all this nonsense. And, but this time it's America trying to do it. And there's a shadow cabinet made up of, or not made up of, but started by uh, Theodore Roosevelt. And you've got all these members and Theodore's like, well, eventually we're going to have to conquer Panama and create the Panama Canal. And I'm just the vice president right now, but McKinley's terrible. So blah, blah, blah. Oh. We need to take out we need to, it's very complicated and very political and whatever, but the idea is the Resolute desk, the Resolute, getting the Resolute back to England was able to secure them all this prestige kind of and support from England. So they're going to go and get Franklin's lost ex last exposition, lost expedition and get it for England so that Teddy Roosevelt can get the support he needs to take over Panama, basically, which is incredibly complicated. That sounds but cool. So, so he sends all these people up to the, uh, the passage in the Arctic Circle, and they basically kind of go through the same thing that Franklin's awesome expedition goes through. That's awesome. And wow. And, yeah. and it's, it's at the beginning, it's like, oh, this is a history comic because I didn't. I wasn't paying attention to the fact that it was a horror comic. I was like, this is a history comic. Holy crap, that's Teddy. <laughs> What's going on? I have no clue. And then all of a sudden, it was really scary. So I was like, that's all right. Awesome. I like that's it. interesting. Awesome. Very cool. No. Yeah. And I checked out Graphite for the first time this morning. And don't sleep on it. It's amazing. Um, Darcy, thank you once again for introducing <laughs> I've been saying get, it. Awesome. You should get them to sponsor a show or something. You should get them to sponsor me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that, that sounds so cool because a lot of what with the president assassination stories, you get a lot of Lincoln, mm. a lot of JFK, but mm. not a lot of McKinley. No. And he, I mean, he was interested. I mean, he was very, you know, all the stuff with Alaska. And, yeah. and it's not like 
Theodore Roosevelt's not an interesting guy. He's like probably one of our most interesting presidents. Absolutely. There should be more historical comics and stories about him, but there aren't. It's weird. Yeah, no, he's cool. I I, I don't know. Like he 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 got. I think I feel like he goes through waves of of uh, popularity. I mean, he doesn't have yeah. to be popular. He oh. was, you know crazy he's a crazy person <laughs> oh yeah for sure yeah that kind of reminds me there's this book from image skybound called uh, manifest destiny yes um and basically it started out as a straight up like historical lewis and clark expedition mm. like quotes from diary entries very you know well researched and then i think at the end of the first issue there's like a giant bug or something and it, it's like a full it's like a horror comic so mm. The only problem I'd say with this is sometimes the dialogue gets a little weird. Like anachronistic. Not in, not in a good way. Like in a, like what, what, what are they mean? even talking about way? Like it's almost incomprehensible. Like what, like seriously, I was going, what does any of this even mean? Like it felt like they were taking some other story and putting it in. And I was like, what? what is this? What's this about? And then I, for like a whole couple of pages, I just started reading the art. <laughs> okay. This makes sense. And that was, there was, there was a section like that. And I don't know if it was just, I was tired and reading it. <laughs> just totally possible. It's a hundred percent possible. It was my fault, <laughs> but there was, there was a, there was a section or two where I was like, I don't know if the dialogue in this makes sense, but it could have been me. It could have been me. But yeah, it sounds like a cool series. It, um, it was it was really interesting. I definitely recommend it because you don't get many historical comics at all that are actually interesting, and you don't get many historical comics that are horror comics. Also, yeah, <laughs> so I like that. It was good. Yeah. yeah, the historical genre comics are a lot of fun. I think I feel like AfterShock is doing some stuff with that. And, mm. uh, yeah, so. My, yeah, I think my, what I'm looking forward to this week is more on the religion side than the history side, even though there's some kind of history in there. It's a, uh, so Iron Circus is a great um, company. It's a great uh, up and coming publisher. It's uh, Spike Trotman is the publisher, editor in chief. Um, she did the Smut Peddler back in the day. And she's just, it's just a great grassroots comic success story. And yeah, and, and I feel like in her company started to branch out into more genres. And like they had this one book called the end book club that's about um, South Korea um, that came out this year. And so the new book is, it's called um, Harrowing of Hell by Evan Dom. And I know he just, he did a, he has a big web comic that I have. Yeah, he did um, Rice Boy. So is his big web comic. And now he, now he's doing a book for um, Iron Circus called Harrowing of Hell, which is basically, so for people who aren't either were either raised Roman Catholic or are medieval Renaissance, like theology literature nerds. The harrowing of hell is basically after the crucifixion, um, Jesus went into hell and basically rescued like characters from the Hebrew Bible, like Abraham, for example. And it was a big thing. And it was something that was portrayed a lot in medieval literature, medieval, um, medieval Renaissance artwork. And it's a, it's a big deal. Um, it's part of the Holy Week, the Passion Cycle. Um, and he's doing kind of like a straight, it, like what I read of it so far, it's a kind of like a straight retelling of it. But he's also kind of adding 
some modern stuff like like Jesus Christ being such a revolutionary figure. So he's kind of adding that. And then he kind of has this really cool like woodblocky um, st art style for it too, but with like elements of modern cartooning as well. So it doesn't look like, like I looked at it and it's very kind of modern, kind of, um, I don't know, kind of like drawn and quarterly a little bit, like cartooning, like easy to follow, um, visually striking cartooning, but with a little bit, you can definitely get a lot of like the medieval um, influence too. So yeah, it looked really cool. I'm just like, I got one in my inbox. I'm like, harrowing of hell? Like someone's, is that like about the, and at first I, it was just like, because some books they'll just use it as a kind of marketing term, but it's like, yo, no, he's straight up doing a retelling of it and it's cool. And like, there's flashbacks to like Jesus's life and connecting to that and his like revolutionary thinking uh, ideas. And I'm like, it'll be really cool. So I, I don't know, maybe a future episode, so. Yeah, that is my yeah. looking forward. That sounds pretty so, cool. Yeah, I'm that like, sounds fun. It came way I, out of I've seen, I've, I, you know, I've seen, I'm not Catholic. I was raised in a Christian cult, but that <laughs> I've seen art and I've read about it in stories. So that sounds Yeah, yeah. Fun. I, I'm, I'm a lapsed Protestant. So I think I, I mostly know about it from, from Dante's Inferno. It, yeah. It's, it's a big, uh, it's a big, like, it's why hell is a certain way. So that's, that's about where I knew it from. So, yeah. All right. So that kind of wraps up this week's episode. Um, Brian, where can folks find you on social media? Okay. Well, um, Instagram is uh, Brygen underscore CB. That's spelled B-R-A-I-J-I-N. And uh, my Twitter is, uh, excuse me, it's uh, Brygen2814. And Darcy, where can folks find you on the socials? I'm at books underscore serial on Twitter. And I have a website, booksandserial.wordpress.com, where I talk about classic books and classic radio serials. Uh, this week, I'm doing uh, Adventures of Superman arc on the mystery of the stolen costume, which is my favorite arc, I believe, from Adventures of Superman. Nice. So, so the radio show? Yes. So cool. All right. And you can find me at Midnighter Bay on Twitter, B-A-E. And why the hell not? I'm on Instagram too. Um, Pride Parker, P-R-Y-D-E Parker. <laughs> Oops. And you can find my writing at Graphic Policy. Uh, I think I covered the latest Vampire the Masquerade comic and don't know what I'm writing about this week, but I don't know, cool stuff. So yeah. And then you can find the um, show's Twitter at CDB Pod. Um, and also you can go on our uh, WordPress. It's comicsdeservebetter.wordpress.com. I'm working on it right now, by the way. The, under, the website. It's, yeah, it's under construction right now, so bear with us. And then also um, you can subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and iTunes are the big ones. And we're on some of the little guys um, too, if you use other podcatchers. So yeah, have a great week. Um, um, also, oh. Oh, just really quick, our email address, um, oh. com comics deserve better at gmail.com. Drop us a line. Just let us know what you're reading or if you have any questions. Uh, I'm really interested. And, and you know, if you're, if you're recommending something, it might end up being an episode of ours because, you know, we're all interested. We're all lovers of comics. So that would be really, really great if you want to drop us a line. Yeah. So, yeah, hope everyone has a great week. And... Find some find some good indie comics and or mainstream comics. 
no judgment here. Just read comics. Yeah. Yes. That's it.